Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. All right, here, let's start podcasting. Let's do it. Ready, what America? Does that, what does that entail? Here we go. <laughs> Just talking. I don't know. <laughs> Spraying it out into the ether and hoping somebody gets a little, it get hit by a little bit of it. So funny. <laughs> that it dampens somebody out there in the ether. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm here today with Aisha Tyler on the three questions, but you, I, I, why do I intro the, the podcast? It's not like you accidentally stumble on this. You know what I mean? I always feel it's like, hey, it's the three questions. Yeah, yeah, we know. We just clicked on it, asshole. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I'm talking to Aisha Tyler, who I've known for a thousand years mm-hmm. and who has been funny and charming and brilliant for a thousand years. Uh, a thousand and one, she was a loser. Yeah, right, uh, right, right before, before that. Just right before a big that. transition from, yeah, from Dick, <laughs> yeah. To, Dick to charming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, how are you? How's, how's your COVID, your COVID coming? Well- the never ending COVID. It feels like we come out of it and then we yeah. don't. But how it's, was it? Was it was it okay for you being stuck at home or it it was interesting. And I wonder if you had this experience too. I've been marveling now that we're well, I was marveling for that interim where we were out of it. Uh, and now we're back at it again. Um, that I felt strange that I felt a bit of not wistfulness because it was a terrible time and it and terrible things happened to a lot of people, but that I was able to make some good out of that time. Like I had a lot of friends who were living in isolation. They didn't have partners. We really worked hard to kind of make like social space for them. So they didn't feel so isolated. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a result, I got all this extra time with people that I care about that I normally don't see very often. My mom lives close to me and she also lives alone. So we, we tried to figure out a way to socialize with her safely. And I know people were zooming a lot, but we went like onto the roof of her apartment building with like, camping chairs and sat like eight feet away from each other and drank rosé and danced to like parliament funkadelic and the OJs, <laughs> you know, and I, if it, I mean, in a normal year, you know, I would be like, sorry, you got to go to work. Yeah, so, yeah. um, it was, there were just some, there was some light in, in all of that darkness. And, yeah. um, and I mean, probably just, you know, I was lucky. I, I have a lot of people close to me that got COVID, but I didn't lose anyone very close to me. Uh, including some relatives who were hospitalized, but but made it through. So I was really grateful about that. But I also just felt like there was this strange interregnum for everybody. There was this pause. And so if you were fortunate enough to not be visited by tragedy, some of what you got was just more time with your family yeah. and the people that you care yeah. about. You know? And if you were able to keep an income, you know, that was the, the, that was the other that thing. Incomes. I mean, there was just yeah. so much loss, so much insane yeah. loss last year. And, and, uh, you know, it, probably immeasurable. I mean, it's going to be like an, a, a time that we're going to be processing and trying to figure out for a long time. Yeah. Um, I mean, know, every every generation has their the curveballs thrown at them and mm-hmm. things that affect them. You know, I'm sure that like, you know, like we talk about, you know, old people that came up through, that, that were ch- children in the Depression, like 
how much that affected them for the rest of their lives mm-hmm. about like, you know, saving muffin wrappers, you know, or just <laughs> and whatever. Offspring, right. Like not just them, but their yeah. children were affected yes. by that experience. Right? Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I wonder like, cause you know, like my daughter had half of eighth grade and her entire freshman year, uh, pretty much at home. And I just, and my son had half his freshman year of college and his entire sophomore year of college. Mm. Um, you have college age kids, Andy, man, I you're do, old. I do. Wow. I know, I know. Come you're on like now. a total grown up. This is so exciting. Um, Not yeah. completely. I mean, I is still am a fuck up. Don't, you know, <laughs> I'm now a fuck up without a regular job. So now I'm really like, oh, shit. I, oh, yeah, I remember this. I remember not having a paycheck coming in. Right when oh, I was 25. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, holy shit, this is not fun. Um, right. Wait, so tell me more. So your kids both lost part of their, they just their both, school experience. You know, yeah, like my daughter didn't have, and I mean, it's not as bad as like the kids that lost senior year of high school. Right, you know, right, that's. Right. But I just wonder, like, and I know my, I, I know both my kids are more cautious and mm-hmm. it's, and it's just added to kind of the general malaise of being a young person in a world where the earth seems to be dying, mm-hmm. you know, like, the, yes. like the stuff, the climate stuff is just. It like does they, seem to when, be that like, you know, whatever it is, you know, the grand surrounding is piling on at this moment, right? Like, it's a just heavy one time. thing after yeah. another. Yeah. 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 And also that's a very, that's a very angst ridden time anyway. Like I remember very vividly, like at the end of high school and for most of college, alternately, you know, you know, drinking my face off and then being terrified that the world was about to end. Yeah. 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 uh, You know, I mean, uh, it's, it's a time where I think you feel these things a lot more acutely and it does feel like things are happening in a more acute way. Yeah. um, Than when we were kids, although, you know, we were, I was in college during the first Gulf war and I remember that we were pretty terrified about that. I was just out of college, so I was mm-hmm. like, I w- you know, I thought, oh, fuck, if there's a draft, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. going, and I was really nervous about that. And then that seemed, yeah. as wars go, that was, you know, like. It seemed know. like kind of small fries. Yeah, exactly, yeah. compared to all yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Let's absolutely. go blow things up, and then, okay, we're all done, and of and course then, yeah, it's then not, Wait, wait just, for the cameras yeah, yeah. as you exit, right, yeah. And you know, just, I wonder also if this, when your kids are a little older, but something, I, I don't have kids, I mm-hmm. do not intend to because of the aforementioned uh, drink up a face off. But um, <laughs> so you not do on a Look, Tuesday you when you got kids. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you just meant you drank so much that you damaged your eggs. Probably that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I'm not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna They're open pickled. up that dark that dark corner of my closet. <laughs> it's just gonna stay shuttered till I die. <laughs> there's, there's no need to go all the way down into the bottom. I understand. Of the I understand. <laughs> but, but it's um. I have noticed with my friends that have kids that they seem strangely, and maybe this is just colloquial and also I don't understand how children operate. They seem nicer to each other. Like I see a lot of kids like being super nice to each other. And I wonder if that's because they've been kind of having to rely more on the kids closest to them. You know, they haven't had the outlet of like play dates and and school and playgrounds. Like, yeah, I just see kids playing really sweetly with each other all over the place. I don't know if that's true. I think that, I think that is part of it, but I also think too, um, well, you probably know nice people, so they're going to have nice kids. You know what I mean? <laughs> I you know do have I mean? a strict no assholes policy in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think, I think it's really, at least for my, you know, my kids went to an LA private school and uh, a nice school. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to be a bully in, in LA schools. Like you're, it's, uh, I mean, I don't know about all of them. I mean, I may, I, somebody might be listening to this and going like, oh yeah, 
check out and then name a school. Check out, check out yeah. Westlake Bully yeah, or whatever. college prep or, yeah, yeah. or, or, or Jackal Elementary over there in, uh, yeah. in Pacific Palisades. Yeah, that's filled with assholes. <laughs> but I think generally the, the parents that are sending their kids to these schools are pretty woke, for lack mm-hmm. of a, you mm-hmm. know, an easier term. Mm-hmm. And, and they just don't put up with like, right. you know, like, oh, that, you know, that kid's a terror. That kid's yeah. awful to everyone. I mean, there still are a few kids like that and there's still definitely mean girl shit that happens, mm-hmm. but it's pretty nipped in the bud. And I mean, it's, right. you know. Well, I think that we, we culturally, we aren't as tolerant of bullying. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, it was just like, that's how kids act. Right. And now yeah. Well, you like, gotta, no. yeah. Yeah. It's oh, well. Cool. If somebody punches you, punch them back. It's exactly, kind of like, exactly. It was either, how either much turn adults? the other cheek and get your <laughs> yeah, ass kicked right. or punch that kid back and then everybody's expelled. Right. And there was no, no Yeah, way. and it's also like, how about just not punching anyone? How about, how about adults yeah. intervene here in a meaningful <laughs> yeah. way where we all right. do something? <laughs> and create a culture of no punching. You know? Exactly. But, exactly. you know, it's a lot I agree. to ask. I agree. I agree with you. Now, you know, uh, I, this podcast is sort of, you know, autobiographical. And mm-hmm. you... Whether you know it or not, you're from the Bay Area. What? Yep. An outrage. That's why you're such a hippie. <laughs> that is true. I am a secret hippie. I'm a closet, are you a, are you I'm a a closet hippie. hippie. Yeah, 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 I am. Um, a lot of I, fish playing at your house all the time? Oh, God, not that kind of hippie. <laughs> 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 but um, uh, the lyric, uh, the, the, the license plate on my car is the lyric of a Pink Floyd song. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, off of, uh, I'm not going to say what it is, lest people follow me around. Los right, Angeles. exactly. But, um, but I do, I, I am an old school hippie and I have, uh, I like, you know, my, some of my first, well, the first album I bought was Metallica's Kill Em All. That's not hippie music, but I was really into like, you know, uh, Zap and The Doors and I have been to a few Grateful Dead concerts. Yeah. Um, oh God, who was that? Ba- now their name is not even in my head and I loved them. Uh, the band that where the lead guy was also this incredible flautist. Oh, Jethro Tull. Jethro Tull. I was, like, I was yeah, apparently yeah, yeah. not such a fan that I remember their names, <laughs> but I was a huge Jethro it's Tull. It's been a while. A yeah, I'm it's very been old. A while. I'm just I'm I'm I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. vintage. Um, but yeah, and also my parents were like, um, they grew up on the East Coast, but they moved to California specifically because they were big hippies. So like, oh, I, lived, really? I lived in an ashram when I was growing up. I was veget- I was raised a vegetarian. Wow. Me- meditating, all of that stuff. So yes, are like, you still a true are hippie? You st- are you still a vegetarian? Have you managed Oh, to- no. Oh, no, really? No, 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 no. Well, here's what's interesting. Um, and you were talking about how, like, experiences when you're a kid kind of become seminal in your life, right? So I was raised a vegetarian, but, like, not in a vegetarian community, really. Like, my, at the ashram was vegetarian, but at school, everybody had, like, bologna and shit. And so, like, that's not fucking cool. When, like, right. not only do you not have meat, but, like, you have, li- like, literally inedible hunks of, like, carbon-based matter for lunch, like, that kid's got pizza and you've got like a date. Or so, spelt or Oh God, yeah. yeah. I mean, spelt would have been elevated. Yeah, yeah. It was like yeah. dates and these like kind of fig Newtons that were made out of like bark. Yeah. Uh, and so I was just like a beggar when I was a kid. Cause like, you know, typically the currency of childhood is like, I'll give you half of the bologna for like your jello cup. And I was like, right. I will eat whatever rejecta you choose <laughs> to fling into the garbage can. Yeah. So, so it was a little isolating. And I wonder, I think when I was older, I found that to be, I mean, not in any kind of like deep trauma way, cause I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bouncy personality, but um, I did kind of like, kind of have a PTSD and then just want to eat like everything, like meat and offal and uni and, Clams, yeah, yeah. clams that look like penises and vaginas. I'll just, yeah, I'll do yeah. anything now. But I, but now, um, I kind of am a little bit of a flex, just because I feel like 
It's probably better for me. It's probably better for the planet not to be eating a yep. steak every day for breakfast. So yep. I'm pretty much vegetarian at home. And then like, I'll go out and eat a steak. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah, I, I'm well aware of like, how much red meat uh, hurts the planet. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't have a lot of stuff about like the actual eating of animals because I do mm -hmm. feel like look at nature. Animals eat animals. Everything's animals. eating everything, you know? I always, I, I have some really hardcore vegan friends that I adore, by the way, if they're listening. Yeah, you're so nice. But um, uh, I, they're like, it's cruel. And I do think factory farming is cruel and probably yes. not, not good for people either because it's very dirty. But Eating an animal is no less cruel than like a cheetah just snapping up a gazelle and eating it from the ass end forward while the gazelle <laughs> is still aware and watching itself be devoured. Yeah. There goes my other haunch. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah. This is going terribly. Oh, my liver. There's a go. So yeah. So I don't, I think, I think eating less meat is just kind of like a good idea, but I agree. I don't Absolutely. really have like a moral thing about eating animals. If I was like one of those people, I'd like hunt. Like I have a buddy who was vegan for a while, but he's like, I'll catch my own meat. And we were like, yeah, okay, I love that fuck. shit. Let's see how long that lasts. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. I he, I he, he didn't, it didn't last long. It didn't last long. Yeah. I love, like, it I didn't love, last that long. <laughs> I love, I love to fish, but I only like to fish if I can eat them because then like me harassing this fish has a purpose. <laughs> Whereas if you like just this. catch a fish and then pull it into the boat and take the hook out and throw it back, I just feel like, like that's just mean. Dick. Yeah. Such, now he's got like a, like a, a, a gaping injury in his yeah. mouth. It's never going to heal. Right. It's he's like gonna, somebody, yeah. you know, throwing <laughs> you into the back of a van and driving you halfway across town and then dumping you off. You know, it's like, and you're like what was the purpose of any <laughs> yeah. of this? Yeah. They're Way like, to go. I, you're I wanted a, real... a photo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I took a picture holding your foot oh up in the God. air. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree. Yeah. But I think I would, I would hunt. I mean, I would too. I would if hunt. I live somewhere, uh, like right, I have yeah. friends that live upstate New York and like they can't grow a garden because there's so many deer. And I feel like, well, hell yeah. If I had, you know, venison showing up in my backyard, I might take a pop at it just to, you know, turn it into protein. I feel the same way about me. Like I'd be happy to be turned into protein for somebody. <laughs> I for think some it would creature. be a nice legacy, a way yeah. to move on. You know, now, now you're no longer Andy, I'd, you're a gazelle I'd or be, whatever. Well, I'd be happy to just, you know, dog food. That'd be fine. <laughs> I honestly don't care. That'd be I, fine. I actually, that's so interesting because I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like once I'm out of this vessel, I'm not really that invested in uh -uh. what happens to it next. Mm -mm. I definitely want to donate all my organs and stuff. Uh, and then, you know, like the scraps, I, uh, you know, like buried in the backyard. <laughs> right, right, right. No, mine, my, my directives are just, uh, cremated and toss me in water. I don't even, it could be a puddle. I don't Stir care. Andy into water, yeah. like a scoop of Metamucil. I just, <laughs> I just don't want to take up any real estate. I think that's silly that every, it doesn't dead, make sense every dead person needs a place to lay down and can't do something else with there's not enough real estate quite honestly I know, to bury I everybody in a six by six by three yep. foot grave it's just not going to work so yeah. yes yes well now i want to go back to ashram you're the yeah. first guest i've had well maybe the first person i've known raised in an ashram now is that when your parents are together because i know they split kind of young um they split when i was 10 so yeah. it was before it was before then yeah yeah um and yeah, we were together, but it was, it was, um, and it's interesting because I have really positive memories about it. it you know, I, I, people like watch wild, wild country and they think everybody was like trying to poison each other and have group yeah, sex. Yeah. It was very, it was a very, very anodyne experience, but, um, but you, but men and women couldn't live together in this ashram, even if you were married. So, uh, I, I it was kind of like dormitory living. So I lived with some other like adult women, uh, like, you know, I mean, like just kind of like nice ladies. 
And uh, my parents were around and um, and it was really fun because it was kind of a compound. So like you had a lot of autonomy as a kid in there because you, you was, it was super safe. So you could run around yeah. everywhere and play and you could hide. There were all these really cool places to hide in this thing and like spy on people and then yell at them and scare them. And I mean, it was, and then you had some kind of, you, you know, I went to school and I did my homework and I had some responsibilities. I did some chores, but it was rad. Like um, one of the things that was really common was that people would bring offerings into the ashram, like flowers, and they would bring a lot of candy. And so oh. the candy situation in this joint was just premium A1 <laughs> abundance. And they wouldn't just bring like chocolate bars. They'd bring like, you know, like boxes of C's candy, you know, like yeah, chewy yeah. nuts. And um, and, <laughs> and is that just meant as an offering to Yeah, like, Buddha? you know, like people. Yeah, like exactly to like the gods or, you know, it, people knew that it would end up pink, it would end up in the community. So it was kind of a way to oh. like make an offering and then they knew that it would get eaten. Um, and yeah, I just, it was just rad. I was just like chomping down on like cordial cherries on a, on a regular basis. <laughs> cordial cherries. <laughs> all, the gra- all the grandma candies. Yeah, like all the, the Werther's, the chewy caramels, the cordials. <laughs> the ribbon candies in oh, a tin geez. that they may yes. have been there for 10 years. Forever. No one, yeah. what is the flavor of ribbon candy other than like, you know, just red? Just sugar. Yeah, I'm, totally. But I just, an, I had an, a great aunt, uh, a, a spinster aunt. Classics, <laughs> and she always had like just the I don't know where she got them the weirdest tins of strange like Ukrainian hard candies. Oh, I love it! That, oh, it's so it's just strange. like inexplicable, Katie. Yeah. My grandmother loved Werther's, and she would eat like a full bag of Werther's a day, and it really fucked with her continence, guys. So just watch out as you get older <laughs> that you don't slide into some kind of a, a caramel K hole yeah. where you're just Werthering and pooping all day long. Just it's stay not- on the toilet. Say, I just, yeah, just get, on the, get that nice high soft seat so you can just kind of go right through you. Um, I'm like, oh, this doesn't seem goodness. as fun as it seems to you, Grandma. Is this right, really working right. for you? Yeah. 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 Now, are you the one thing only- I was going to say about oh, the awesome ahead. thing was that um, I, I think like people kind of find it to be very odd, but it just felt like I was at summer camp for most of yeah. the time. How long and- was it? I think we lived there a couple of years. Yeah. Then we lived in Ethiopia for a while and kind of a meditative. We went to like a meditative retreat. Uh, and then my mom lived in India for a while. So we were, they were, my family was really into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then, and then we moved back into like normal old, like regular American people housing. So, yeah. yeah. And did they, did that now were they Hindu or were they Buddhists or you know, what? You that's know, that's a good question. So this was like us, this was like a Hindu, uh, like influenced, Group. Like a Hare Krishna knockoff kind of thing. Uh, not as exciting as the Hare Krishna. Thank well, God. Yeah, I no, it sounds it sounds mild. For, yeah. it sounds my tolerance mild. for symbols is very low. Yeah. I can't be dancing and head on the shaving. Thing. Yeah, uh, no, not for yeah. me. No, um, the 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 sect was Siddha Yoga Dom, so it was a very meditation based sect, and it was based on kind of Hindu practices, and mm-hmm. uh, it just involved like you know meditating and chanting and doing some public service. You know, you were required to do like to do service. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, eating a lot of vegetables and shit. <laughs> my mom is not into it. Both of my parents have left that group and my mom is now a Buddhist and she has been for about 25 years. Oh, wow. And, yeah. uh, and your dad, is he practicing anything? My dad's, my dad's just still... looking cool. My dad's yeah, just yeah, yeah. spending time being the neighborhood action Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> and where are, I mean, you said your mom's local, but where's your dad now? Oh, I, so I grew up in the Bay area. So he's still, he's still, oh, he's still up yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when they split, were you in the ashram when they split or did no, they? No, well, we were living across the street. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. And I don't know, you know, I, I 
I probably just have a high tolerance for like traumatic events because I remember when they split up being like, ah, they gave it a try. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Yeah. 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 I had seen them really like really get like back, you know, break up and get back together and get, break up. And I remember once walking into my parents, maybe when I was like eight and they were making out on the couch. And I was like, they are really putting their backs into this. Like, good for them. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time they broke up, I was like, I really felt like they had given it their all. And right. I, I really don't have a lot of, you know, they were they, they did a very good job because they didn't fight. I mean, maybe they fought, but we never saw it. They never used us as pawns. You know, they yeah. never like manipulated us or, or, or leveraged us against each other. And they also never said anything bad about the other one. Yeah. So I just didn't have that, like, you know, you, you know, your dad's an asshole or your, or your mom is a soul succubus. You know what I mean? Like I just had yeah. like my parents, you know, didn't want to be married anymore. And, yep. uh, you know, and yeah. Cool. Uh, and you, you said us, do you have a sibling or I have siblings? a younger, I have a younger sister, a younger sister. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, well, that's good. I mean, it's, you know, it can be such a trauma that it's, it can be, you know, it can now, be. Is, is it a trauma that you think you sort of compartmentalized and then it came out later? Or do you really feel like I really wonder about that, Andy? Yeah. Like, am I just a weirdo that I was like, oh, you know, it's cool. But no, I don't think I, I don't think I, I did compartmentalize that. I know it was harder on my sister because she was younger. Yeah. And I also know that like I lived with my dad and my sister lived with my mom. And so I got a lot of access oh. to my mom. Like my mom was really present in my life. She made a point of like always being available to me. My dad was a dad and dads are dads and he worked a lot. And so he wasn't as available to my sister, which I think was not a choice or intentional. Just that, um, you know, he was a, he was like a he was a dad, but he he came around a lot and they both really worked hard to be a part of the other person's life. Oh, that's I just good. think my sister missed the quotidian she missed the day to day with my dad. Yeah. Because I was a little older, I could get that from my mom because I could just call her on the phone. Right. You know, and that just might have been a function of our age. But yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, it's so interesting. Like, I don't have kids, like I said. So I don't know if I would feel differently about it if I did. Mm -hmm. But I, what I do feel like now, now that, you know, I was married and, and, I'm, and now I'm divorced and I have friends who are like on their second marriages, is that maybe this idea that people stay together forever is just pretty much a false construct. Yeah, And people can do it and people do do it. Mm -hmm. But the idea that it's the default state, I think I let go at a young age. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just think hopefully what you want to do is just not be a dick. Yeah. 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 But exactly. how can you know when you're 22? I don't know who you're going to be at 42. Like that's I just don't ridiculous. Know. I don't know. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I was, and I think you and I were both, you were married 25 years. I was mm -hmm. married 25 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's a long time. You know, that's it a long sure time. Is. And that's, it's half of your life. I mean, it's yes. literally half of both of our lives. Yeah. Yes. Our, our grown up lives at least. Our yeah. Yeah. Lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it was, well, I think like I, we got divorced better than my parents did and that's nothing against my parents. It's just. Well, maybe it is a little. No, bit. but no, but you know, you're probably somebody, you know you probably but, you know, know more. You know, you probably you know more about it. You've seen more of it around you. You've yeah. seen people do it well. You've seen people do it poorly. You know, I think people our parents' age. I think my parents probably handle it well because they were hippies and meditated all the time. Right, so they had a really right. like a peace oriented way of looking at the world. Because I had friends whose parents divorced and it was just like war and right. you know and like scorched earth like nobody escaped right like yep. kids just beaten to a pulp parents right. in in drivels right and I I think. Now we just know that like, that's not how it should be. And maybe we're easier. I mean, I mean, you know, Jesus, Andy, divorce is fucking excruciating. Mm -hmm. It is excruciating. 
I don't care if even if you are the one who wants to get out. It is like the most ex- agonizing thing that I have ever gone through. Yeah. And so the easier you can make it on yourself and others, you know what I mean? Like it's not not going to be like, you know, just an agonizing experience. And so you're just yeah. trying to like get through it without with, without destroying everything around you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you were if you were if you're a normal healthy per I mean relatively healthy person mentally mm-hmm. and you are in a marriage under good faith circumstances, there's no way that it's not going to be Mm-hmm. one of the worst things you've ever been through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some ways I felt like when I left, I mean, I don't really feel this way now, but the, at the time it hurt so much and it caused such disruption that I was like, it might've been easier if I died, you know, like it, it might've just, you. I just, no, but you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like, this is all so much. This is all so awful. And you, you know, and when you're in it, you don't see the end of it. Like mm-hmm. I remember my sister saying, you know, it takes a couple of three years before you're really on your feet emotionally. And I was like, what? I don't have time for that. I got to get out. I need some pussy. Uh. <laughs> so did I, Andy. So did I. Um, you know, I, I, I remember that feeling so much. Like I just remember feeling like I am never going to be okay again. I am yeah. never going to feel okay again. I am going to be sad for the rest of my life. Yeah. And, um, and I had a friend, I had a couple of friends say something similar, like, you know, you just need to give it time. I was like, oh, oh fuck yourself. Fuck yeah, you, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it did just get better. And literally, I don't think it was anything other than a function of time. Like, yes. it just, that, like, the agony needed to slowly subside. And I was just like, it, you're going to feel like you have to vomit every day. And then one day you're going to feel less pukey. And that, I yeah. can't. You know, for friends of mine that were coming out of relationships, I'm like, I can't give you any more insight than that. Like, you yeah. just gotta, you gotta gut it out. Yeah. Um, and I do remember when I first separated, um, and I got my own place, and I had never lived alone my entire adult life because I met my uh, ex in college. Um, I had an apartment, I like my own apartment, you know, and uh, and I would get home every, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, everybody. This is not advice, <laughs> but for me. <laughs> Uh, I, I really didn't handle it in like a mature way. I came home every day and I would make like a double Negroni <laughs> and I would smoke <laughs> and listen to sad music <laughs> and just cry and smoke and drink. Like yeah. I just was like, I just turned into like, an, like a retired, like, you know, New York, New York fire department right, captain right. or something. Right. Um, but it worked for me. It did. Yeah. I mean, that really did work for me. I just was like, I was just, I was just like, you know, Ray LaMontagne for a few months. <laughs> and then I slowly kind of floated out of it. Yeah. Um, and I think all you can do really is try not to take that shitty feeling out mm-hmm. on everybody around you. Yeah. You know, that's a good, that's good advice for everything. Don't, mm-hmm. I mean, that's always for me, I, especially in a workplace, I'm always like, look, if you're, your bad day doesn't need, you know, your bad day has nothing yeah. to do with me, bro. If your <laughs> shit bucket is full, don't slosh it. You know what I mean? Right. Walk carefully, hold it please. still. Yeah. Just, just hold it still. Say to everybody, like, you know, behind so we uh, can yeah. get out of your way. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. 
Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Ashley's Memorial Day sale is going on now. Shop our biggest selection of hot buys, cool deals, or shop limited time savings on new summer spaces. Plus, get 72-month special financing on select in-store mattress purchases made with your Ashley Advantage Synchrony credit card between May 14th and June 3rd. Whether you're redecorating indoors or rethinking your outdoor space, save big on this season's trending styles. Only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. No minimum purchase required. See store for details. I'm Phoebe Judge, host of the podcast, This Is Love. Stories about love and all of the surprising forms it can take. Like a man who finds a baby on a subway platform. A woman who spends most of her time alone until a fox starts coming around. And in one of my favorite episodes, we meet a man who forgot his wife and had to get to know her and fall in love all over again. Listen to new episodes of This Is Love wherever you get your podcasts. Can't you tell my loves are growing? Well, now, um, we'll go, uh, well, did, I mean, did you find yourself thinking back? I, I'll, and then we'll move off a of divorce. I don't uh, mind talking about it. I, I don't really talk about it that much. So this is kind of, this is kind of a revivifying. Oh, good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did you find yourself thinking back on your, on your parents' divorce and, and seeing any, like any kind of parallels, any kind of like, you know, thinking about what they went through when it happened mm. and, you know. You know, I think two things. I think the fact that I didn't have children in some ways might have made it easier, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I wasn't so worried about how it was going to affect other other people. Right. Uh, I was mainly just worried about how it was going to affect me and and my and my partner. Yeah. But I think the thing that I I hope that I internalized from my parents was that I just really wanted to be kind. Like I never wanted to fight about it. I didn't want to be cruel. I worked really hard to be as kind as I could. You know, people get so angry when they're going through something like this, and a lot of the anger is in specific. They just are furious with you and furious at themselves. And so people say and do things that they don't mean. And I just really try to just not, I just tried to be like, you know, this is someone that you're with for half of your life. No matter what happens after this, that person is going to be after your parents, probably the most influential person on you Mm -hmm. to, to date. And I don't, I did not see the fact that I was married for 25 years and then I got a divorce as, as like a mistake or or a failure. I was like, I did it, man. 25 years is a long time to be, to do anything. And, um, and it was wonderful. And then things changed. And so for me, I just, the thing I took from them was I just wanted to be as, as kind as I possibly could yeah. to my, to my ex and to myself and to realize that like people were going to say and do things they didn't mean and to not, you know, what happens is someone says or does something and then, and then that's it, revenge time, right? All of a sudden, like, you know, fuck it. I was, I was being nice, but now I'm going to cut the cat in half, you know, yeah, and yeah. give you the ass end. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people just get so petty and so cruel. Uh, and I just really wanted to avoid that. So I, I, I hope, I mean, I, that's really what I tried to do is to just be nice. You know, yeah. it's just, it's just mean. And then, you know, you do something mean and then, and then you really, you just feel like, you know, you wake up like, Oh, I'm a piece of shit. Right. So, um, I tried not to do that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah every time throughout the divorce process that I did something like, like there was a family event that I skipped because I was pissed mm-hmm. at my mm-hmm. ex-wife and, I said, I'll celebrate it with the kids at a, you know, the mm-hmm. next day or something. Mm-hmm. And like that was, and that was just cause I was, that was purely cause I was pissed. Mm-hmm. There was no mm-hmm. other reason other than my anger to do that. And within like probably the next day I was like, okay, that was a mistake. Like right. I shouldn't like, have done that. I yeah. should never have let just like, 
Because there's it's one thing to be angry, but if you but the way that you act has to have some some construct. You know, it's just yeah, constructive. It's just forward it has to moving. Be, yeah, because you because you, you end destruction up destruction is not yeah destruction yeah. is not in anybody's interest. I mean, no. yeah, you're you're breaking something up, but you're you know. If but you're trying to avoid collateral damage, right? The yeah, idea is yeah. like, can we do this in a way that, it, again, doesn't scorch, doesn't salt the earth behind us? Yeah. Because, you know, the other thing that, the other thing that happens uh, typically in these, and again, you know, I can't speak how it is with kids, but, you know, friendships come up. A lot of, you lose a oh, lot. Yeah. You, lose you lose all people, these shared yeah. touch points that, you know, you don't want to lose and you don't want the other person to lose, but it just naturally happens. And so mm-hmm. the loss is, is like compounded. Yeah. Cause you lose everything, yeah. you know? And so then to go and break the last few glasses in the cupboard, <laughs> it just seems yeah. like overkill, but it's also so normal to be so angry that you're not thinking clearly. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. a lot of that happens where you're just blind with rage. And then, you know, you wake up the next day and you're like, wait a minute, who was, who was that guy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just so hard. Did you go into yeah. therapy? Um, yeah, we, yeah, we were in therapy. Well, we had been to couples therapy uh, with success throughout mm-hmm. the, throughout the marriage at different mm-hmm. points, mm-hmm. you know, that we, there we'd hit kind of a rough non-communicative patch and then we'd mm-hmm. go to therapy and it would work. And mm-hmm, we would mm-hmm. sort of get to a good place again. And I mean, you know, and I'm 25 years, it's uh, the large bulk of it was really good. And like I said, we're humans and we're complicated humans and we're both kind of cranky and crazy and weird, you know, but, I, <laughs> but yeah, that's why we're together is one of the things. Right. right. I um, mean, you know, but, that's what makes you interesting. I yeah. Mean, by the way, but we but were towards the end. Yeah. We went to, we, we did like a final stretch of, of, of therapy that really sort of was you know it was kind of like okay this is not like this right. isn't just this isn't just like a problem with the therapist or this particular episode of therapy isn't working like this is really kind of laying bare that this is mm-hmm. not not gonna work this as, is so interesting yeah and for people who are listening who are in a relationship and thinking about couples therapy um you should absolutely do it because you should learn stuff about yourselves but what's so funny is I remember a girlfriend of mine who's a, who's a therapist saying, you know, a lot of people resist couples therapy because um, they want to get a, they want to break up and they're worried that if they go to therapy, it's going to either convince them or show them or make them stay together. Right. Yeah. But, but what I have found interestingly enough is that a lot of times therapy can show you that you actually should separate and hopefully then you're just trying to find a way to do it again in a kind way that doesn't like do a lot of damage. Uh, and that's so strange because a couples therapy really is intended to keep couples together. Yeah. But yeah. sometimes it just shows you, I mean, not like, oh, not that there's anything wrong with you or that there's anything wrong with the relationship, but it can sometimes just show you like you don't want the same things anymore. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's, it's tough because I'm sure a lot of traditionalists out there would say, well, you should try to work past that. But, you know... There's also you only you also only have one life, and yeah. I don't know that you should be sublimating your own desires for seventy years on the planet to someone else. No, uh, I looked I looked at it as you know I had it's sort of like what you said. I um, ha, you know there's like there is kind of like three parts of your life, and mm-hmm. it's your childhood, your adulthood, and then your dotage you know like when you're just <laughs> how dare you place us in dotage i will come over there and beat no you we're up. not we're not in dotage yet but you Good know what God. i mean there's there's like there's like if you're lucky 20 years where you just 
you know, you're retired you're and you're just kind of, yeah. you know, hanging out. Rock him. So, you know, I figure, I figure like I am, you know, I probably will work till I'm 70 ish. I would mm-hmm. hope. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting there thinking like, I'm halfway through my grown up life. And if I like the best it was going to get, it seemed was just kind of getting along. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just was like, that's not enough for the no, rest of my life. That's not enough. And that was one of the things about it that was really that I didn't expect and I didn't realize it's going to happen, but it wasn't just like the death of the marriage and the household. It was like a future that I had held in my head for probably before I was even married. Cause I had this idea about being married and what my life would be when I was old and how we would go grow old together. And I had that for 25 years in my head. And it wasn't until we split that I realized, Oh, that, that future has gone too. Mm. like that future that I, that I had like real concrete, goals, I guess they would be because they hadn't happened yet, but mm-hmm. they didn't seem like goals. They just seemed like, well, yeah, we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. We're, it was gone, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in some ways it's kind of, you know, when you're in the thick of it, it kills the the past a little bit too, because you think about that person that you loved or who was your, you know, who is your person, who is your baby. You know, and I don't mean baby, baby, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, baby. your sweetheart. Yeah. yeah. And you look, you you know, in that space too, you look back on those times and you're like, yeah, but it's also this person right. that I don't like anymore, you know, or yeah. that I'm mad at or who did this or who said this. And so you just, you really are, it feels like barren earth. Like just, oh. you just clear the deck. Like you of clear everything. the, God, that is yeah. so wild. Yeah. And I, 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 cause I've been thinking a lot about that, about the way that you felt a specific way about this person. They were your person. Yeah. And so all of these memories and experiences all like imbue your, this relationship with a certain set of values. And then you also look back and you feel differently and, and you almost can't remember who you were mm-hmm. when you felt that way about that person, like yeah. that person, the Andy of 15 years ago or the Aisha of 15 years ago, seems like another human being. Yeah. And that's, oh, I think, really, really a, a very strange feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think when you're 25, you think I'm always going to know what I want and who I am. I'm yeah. always going to be exactly this person. And yeah. I always say this to younger people, and then they always go, shut up, little lady, cross the street. But, um, <laughs> but there is just no way for you to know. There yeah. is no way for you to know who you're going to be in 20 years. I promise you, you are not going to wake up at 45 and feel, want, need, understand the same things about yourself. That's just an impossibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and all you can do really is just try to like grow with this partner. And if you can't grow with them, find a kind way to go on your own path. Um, but I wonder, and now this is, Ooh, it's turning into Aisha's three questions, isn't it? Oh, well, that's fine. I wonder if I'm getting paid though. You aren't other than all the, po- Oh yes. I'm getting absolutely nothing for this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, other than all the pussies that's raining out of the sky for you, Andy. <laughs> and I imagine you now, uh, Adam, uh, a divorced man as l- like Lucy Arnaz at the chocolate factory just can't fit it all in your mouth fast <laughs> enough. It's falling all over the place, but uh, it's all over your fingers, all over your face. Yep, yep. But <laughs> the cleanup is terrible, oh, terrible, terrible. Somebody- avocado tree is nothing compared to <laughs> pussy raining out of the sky. Good I mean, lord! Delightful, yeah. but but quite but quite messy. Um, <laughs> did you find personally? Like, I think this is something that's really interesting. You know, when you're in a relationship, you are constantly filtering most your, of your choices, not all, but most of your choices, through the prism of how it's going to affect another person or whether they're going to want to participate or you or, as a team or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And then, and because you were married as long as you were, I'm a, I, I'm assuming that this was similar for you. It's a very strange feeling to be like, I can do whatever I want. 
And, and yeah. I sit on the couch at three o'clock in the afternoon at eat pizza and drink whiskey. And then I'm going to Kung Fu punch a rabbit, whatever it is that you like to do. Right, right. It's a, it, you've just never had a, a framework where every, every decision is your own. Yeah. Uh, and that's um, strangely liberating and a little disorienting, I think, if you've been in a long relationship. Absolutely, because I would uh, – um, there was a little bit of that – well, I mean, it's overall sad and lonely and, you know, and especially it's, with oh, kids. It's very sad. You know, and – but there is a part of like, hey, I got my own space for the first time in a million years. And especially, I think, like, I don't know if it's just a dad thing or it's just the kind of dad that I am uh, – Cause I tend to be kind of like a codependent person anyway. Like, <laughs> like my whole life has been avoiding the question, Hey Andy, what do you want? My mm -hmm. question, cause I don't really know. And I kind of find that daunting. And also I was so used to from an early age being around people with louder voices going, well, I'll tell you what I want. And then I go, okay, well let's, let's get that for you. And maybe while we're doing that, I'll figure out what I want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then you just fast forward 50 years right. uh, and, I'm, right. and here yeah, I am still here. <laughs> so there was part of like, I had only lived alone once in my life and it was awful. It was like, mm -hmm. just at a real low shitty point in my life. And I had no money. Mm -hmm. um, so it was kind of gross and terrible. And then this was like, all right, I got a nice apartment and I'm, I, I worked really hard to make it livable fast because my daughter uh, was 13 at the time and I did not want to have one of those fucking, you know, uh, bed on a bed frame TV yes. and couch, a divorced dad <laughs> apartments, you know, with like a couple of ketchup packets in the drawer. You know, I wanted I hung pictures right away. I made it like a livable sort of thing. Um, but then I found myself too, like, because I was so I didn't know what to do with myself. My I can do anything. I would tell myself I, I can do whatever I want. But it was usually like. Like, because, well, yeah, because I don't have anybody to do anything with, you know, <laughs> and it took a while to get to like, no, no, fuck that. I can yeah. do whatever I want. And if mm -hmm. there's, you know, and I'm, uh, you know, and that isn't to say either too, like uh, that I could go out and, you know, go out and hook up and stuff. Cause I'm, I don't even know how to do that really, but, uh, it's not particularly rewarding. I think, I it's, think it's, I, just, I think it's a false construct. Nikki, I think the minute Nikki you think Glazer, you can do it, you're like, yeah. Oh, this is sad. Yeah. Nikki Glazer recommended me cause you have to get recommended to be on Raya. Oh, Raya. Yeah. Yeah. So she recommended me and I was like, Oh, you know, I, that I'm is just like a little a celebrity fuck room. Raya. Oh, <laughs> it was, I looked at it. I, I like, I, and it was weird. Cause like in order to get in there and look at it, you have to be like, like provide five pictures of you. And I just was like, ugh. Yeah, like, already what? this like, feels what? like too, yeah, too what, much. Like, what, like headshots? What the fuck do you want? <laughs> just send and them then, a poster of Andy Riggs. I know. I felt like, here's a link. <laughs> here's a Google link. You Google can go, me, bitch. Yeah, you can see this big floppy head as much as you want on the, on the internet. But I just started like, and then, you know, and like pick a song to go along with the like little oh, montage no. and all this shit. Oh, and, God. uh, and then I started looking at it and I just, I just felt vertigo. Like, oh my God. Like, it just yep. looked like every LA phony that I've ever mm -hmm. seen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, you know, and just, and, and I see a couple people that I recognize and that I know. People that you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah totally. I mean, men and women, you know, cause then I like, yeah. you know, like, cause I want to see what men, what, you know, what the men's profiles and stuff look like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at that and it just, it all seemed like, 
the grossest LA party I've ever been to that makes yeah. me go embarrassed. Let's just, you know, drive through Astro Burger and go home, you know. Literally, I was just about to say, let's just leave and go yes. to Astro Burger. Let's just get out of here. <laughs> and uh but I um I I and the one the turning point for me was uh one of the women uh who was in, and I did, you know, I did appropriate ages. I didn't yeah. like go like from, from 17 myself. on, you know, <laughs> but like there was a grown up woman on there, but she heard, she listed her job as denim architect. Nope. 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 Goodbye. No. And I just, that no, was, I was like, I can't, I will, this is not, that's this not is a not thing. the place you, you, for you me. work at the gap. That's this not a thing. This is not a place. <laughs> yeah. What you, you, you trim, you know, like you tailor blue jeans. She yeah, folds okay. them and then piles them up in the blue know. jean section, according to I size. I don't know, but I was like denim architect. Are you living in a denim house? That seems dangerous. <laughs> It's, you know, Very flammable. Yeah. One rain, <laughs> then the sun shines again, and you're, you know, you've lost you're a bedroom. Shrunk. Yeah. <laughs> you're down to the den. <laughs> but yeah, have you never been on Raya? Have you never done that? No, no. I, this is so weird, but I feel like you described everything I would have felt had I gone on Raya. Yeah. yeah. And I would prefer to be alone. And I know that that sounds like superioristic. That's not how I feel. I just, I have a, it's weird because we're both, you know, comedians, yeah. but I somehow have a low tolerance for embarrassment in my personal life. Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. I humiliate myself on stage for everybody's enjoyment. Precisely. To be embarrassed in real life, I just, maybe because I get so much humiliation in my job, yeah. I don't need any extra humiliation in my private life. And so, um, no, I just, I, I, one, one thing I did do is I just, after I, after my Raylan Montaigne phase, um, during which, by the way, you were talking earlier about not doing stuff. I, I just decided I was going to be sad. And so as a result, I really, if you can enjoy being sad, I really like, I enjoyed it. I was like, I'm mm -hmm. sad. I ate, I ate like, you know, $50 worth of sugar fish like every day, just alone <laughs> in my apartment. I was like, I am going to take care of myself. Yeah, so yeah. I, I did kind of revel in the, in, in just in kind of being mopey and, and miserable. But, um, when I came out of it, I just immersed myself in, in my social life. That was what I did. I just like, I became like almost hyper social. And, uh, and I mean, you know, I'm not embarrassed. I was like, you would, you could find me dancing on a table on a Tuesday. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? I was yeah, like, yeah. I just went out with friends and that just kind of, it was a good distraction and maybe it like sharpened my muscles a little bit socially. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just don't, I'm just so, I, I hear so many horror stories about Raya. I don't think I could tolerate even one of those things happening. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Do you know what I mean? Like one of them would send me into a, like a, a tailspin for the rest of my adult life. Yes. I would rather, I, I no. <laughs> I don't, I, I, you know, I love people, but I don't like that many people. Yes. You know that's what I fair. mean? That's fair. I, in a general sense. Yes. I love people. I love humanity. I think we're funny and hilarious and stupid and wise. And, but like, but in actual practice, like, you know, if I get on a bus, how many of those people am I going to actually have a good chat with? And that's, you know, and that's, I'm, you know, that's, uh, yeah. Oh, you, is that superior? Yeah, probably. Well, you know. that's, that's, but that's just it human, a, right? I mean, yeah, you, it's, but I, it's, it's, it's tough for people to really connect in a meaningful yeah, way yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's just normal. And then two people, you might talk to two people and might find both of them to be dullards or inscrutable. And then they might talk to each other and love each other. That's just like the nature right, of being right, a human exactly. animal, right? So, but yeah. it's like, but I just know from 54 years of being on this planet, Odds are, like, if I sit down next to someone, we might have a pleasant chat, but for us to really connect, like, that doesn't happen 
very often. And, right. I, and and especially too with the path of my life, like now having been a funny person in a place that didn't have a lot of funny people and then meeting other funny people and then your job is to be around funny people, it spoils you. Like yeah, just it really because does. and I mean and I'll, you know, from being on the Conan show for all those years, meeting people that I don't know but I know their their work, I like their work, they know me, they know my work. And because we're just kind of the same type, we hit it off immediately. Like a short, you just get a shorthand yeah. right away. Like, hey, I know you, language. you know me, we can just exactly. go right. You go jump right way to, ahead to like the yeah. fifth meeting. Yeah, Go totally. right and to call each other fucker, you know? Yeah, exactly. Call each like other that. assholes. Like first yeah, yeah, 30 yeah. seconds. Yeah, totally. Right, right. Yeah. And um, also, like, it's not just that you're, that you're around all these funny people. Because I feel like, I mean, that's part of it, I think. But there's something else, which is that you live, we live in a community and I think you could find these communities all over the world. It's not just entertainment, but specifically a community of like highly, and look, there's a lot of ding dongs in this town too. Don't get me mm -hmm. wrong, but a community of highly engaged people. And yeah. so then to meet someone, and again, don't everybody out there start, you know, burning me an effigy. Wait till I'm, I'll say something later that'll make you even angrier. But, um, <laughs> but, the, um, to meet someone who is not that like curious about the world, like, you know, yeah. just, you're, you're going to go on these dates and people are going to be obsessed with their, their tits or their eyelashes yep. or the Kardashians. Yep. And you're like, I can't even muster like a quarter yeah. of, a, of a boner to talk with you anymore. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, yeah. that, you know, it's just, you just, we, you're spoiled by living in a, in a, in an engaged group of artists yep. that are thinking about the world a certain way. And again, yeah. no, I just keep, I'm just listening to the tweets, but you know, it's not about political alliance or even though we're better than you, but it is just, about, <laughs> <laughs> we're more, we're more compassionate. We care about people, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's just more about like, the, sometimes you've been living, you've been kind of operating at, at 10,000 feet and, and then just, you know, to hang out with someone who's like super excited cause they got tickets to a concert or whatever. It's yeah. just like not going to get it done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. you know, there's, yeah, I always just look at it. There's somebody for everybody, but there's just, you know, there is, I, and yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I think there are more than one person for everybody. And yeah. I also feel like, you in in the in the time between when you're not with the, your person and when you're not with the next person, you can cobble together that person from your friendships, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so that was really what I I like I really engaged in my friendships and I was getting all kinds of like interesting engagement and support and fun and quite a bit of like you know like I I got to do my twenties again because I you know I met my yeah. ex when I was nineteen right. uh, and I don't regret any of it and it was just fun I just kind of like learned a bunch of stuff about myself. So I did yeah. that, you know what I mean? I did a lot of that. And that was that, I found that to be satisfying. I mean, it's not the same yeah. as like, you know, meeting some hot lady on Ryan, like stripping her in the back of your Porsche, but mm. you know, <laughs> I did that too. <laughs> <laughs> Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. I'm Phoebe Judge, host of the podcast, This Is Love. Stories about love and all of the surprising forms it can take. Like a man who finds a baby on a subway platform. A woman who spends most of her time alone until a fox starts coming around. And in one of my favorite episodes, we meet a man who forgot his wife and had to get to know her 
and fall in love all over again. Listen to new episodes of This Is Love wherever you get your podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Were you, um, uh, were you still on the talk when you split with your husband? I was, yeah. And was yeah. that, I mean, was that hard to, I mean, did you address it on air? Did, was it just something that- Yes, I did. And it was just an, an infamous, like, blark fest. Um, I did address it because I, I'd really been wanting to not talk about it because he's not in the business and I did not want to, like, exploit him in any way or turn it yeah, into a story. Yeah. And we really tried very hard to keep it out of the press. Yeah. Um, unfortunately it got leaked. Um, and so then I talked about it because I, I want, again, I wanted to protect him and I didn't want people to be speculating about the relationship. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I really, I w- I worked really hard to keep it out completely out of the public eye, but, um, unfortunately somebody along the chain there slipped the papers to the, to, to the public. Um, which is, I think, another really stinky thing because it's an incredibly painful experience and it really should mm-hmm. be up to the couple to, to decide how and when to talk about it with whom. But yeah. when you're in this business, like nothing, not, nothing is ever your own. And, and yeah. I think that's awful because you're going through this terrible, terrible experience and then people are talking about you. Yes. In the most and, dis- disgusting, in shitty, shitty ways. ways. Shittiest with no, ways. With shittiest no, fucking ways. And also it's like people who have a beef with you anyway. Mm-hmm. Now there's a new thing to, you know... You know, savage, there's a, you, savage you further. Yeah, there's a mm-hmm. new reason to like, you know. Mm-hmm. And I found a I found a big difference. I've talked about this a little before. I found a big difference from being a married guy on Twitter with a bunch of joke pals of mm-hmm. you know, of mm-hmm. of every gender and every stripe that I joked with every day. Mm-hmm. And the second that it was announced that I was uh split from my wife, all of a sudden any sort of like innuendo anything yeah, every, you dirty every, old dog every, yeah every comment i made was basically come and fuck me now you know <laughs> like i couldn't just like make a joke about you know yeah whatever the rocks new movie without it be you know you're obviously hitting on that 28 year old like <laughs> okay i guess all right you know you just i'm have just to, i just want to see the movie guys i just, just want to make the jokes that i've always made you know yeah. Well, um, all right. We. Uh, I want. I want to ask you one other question, and I and I would just want to. The other thing that people do, like they'll take their pot shots at you, but they also will take pot shots at your spouse, and yeah. like, fuck off. Yeah. And that made me even angrier because, like, I chose this job. I can take it. I, you know, mm-hmm. what I mean, I've I've taken it before, but like, you know, they would say stuff about him, like he, like he was after my money. We met when we were in college. Right. And we, I had no money. I mean, it was just, it, it, it was, it was infuriating. It was really enraging to me. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, it, you can't really give it any shine because if you do that, you know, it's, you're just really feeding that beast. So yeah. you kind of feel a, a little powerless to, you know, to, to, to do, to protect someone that regardless of whether you're married anymore, you still really care about. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, I, that's get, yeah. Getting divorced. Well, well, I wouldn't say famous. How about infamous? Well, no, I mean, you're known and it's the same thing. And it's like, and you are known. And so like, I don't know, like, I don't know why anyone cares about seriously my life absolutely. at all. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not Tom Cruise. I'm not, you know, I'm not anybody interesting. You know, I, I really do have, I find you I fascinating, have a, <laughs> Mr. Richter. But, I'm, but I mean, uh, no, I don't think I'm boring, but I mean, but in, in sort of like lurid terms, you know, is... I I don't do anything interesting. Like I don't, you know what I mean? I'm I, I just don't. And 
So it was always a shock to me that anyone cared. Um, But I do feel like now, now setting up, like, I I, I do, I want to ask you this about, you know, when you met the person that you were with for 20, however, because we were together for 27, married for 25. Mm -hmm. um, You know, nobody knew who I was. And now Mm -hmm. people know who I am. So like dating has a different thing. And especially, yeah. Especially with the like the app kind of notion, like I would be loath to do that anyway. But now mm-hmm. that I'm a known quantity, I just and I don't, you know, this it's part of it. I think I just like, well, how are they ever going to like know it's me? Like, how are they? You know, like, like do they? Because I don't get off on the notion of hey, somebody that likes me being on television wants to you know, go on a date with me. That does not appeal to me. I want them. I want somebody that's like, you know, like who actually, I don't know, you know, takes a chance on who I actually am, not on my fucking IMDB stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Clip reel. And, and it's weird. It's, it's, it, and it's, the fear is that the fear is that that's yourself. inescapable. Yeah. Like that is yeah. that your public persona is an inescapable aspect of how people perceive you. And the fear is that you will never meet anybody ever again who yeah. doesn't know Andy Richter from television. Right. And so, and I mean, this is, this. I know this sounds kind of rarefied, but I think it's, I think it's true. How will you know if somebody actually likes you? Yeah. It's a really frightful, yeah. you know, space to headspace to be in, which is like, you're not being paranoid. I mean, I want to move through the world in a normal way. I do want to go to Astroburger at one o'clock in the morning in my sweatpants. Yeah. I don't want to be riding around in a limousine and, you know, eating bowls of diamonds. Like, I don't know, other, <laughs> you know, you know, Rihanna or whatever. But, yeah. um, but the fear is that is anybody I'm interacting with that I didn't know before interacting with me or interacting with my, with my IMDb page. Yeah. You know, with, and, and I, I just think that's, uh, to me, I think that's probably the toughest part of coming mm-hmm. out of a relationship later in life is like, um, do I trust other people? And I guess maybe do I trust myself? Do I trust my own feelings? Yeah. You know, I think that's, I, I yeah. So I'm just adding to your existential dread here. Did but, you get burned at all by it? Well, in dating? Cause you know, I mean, I haven't dated a ton anyway and it, it you know, and it's unavoidable, but uh, you know, I've, I've had a nice time dating, you know I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. I haven't I mean, like met any creeps. You know? Yeah, no, I haven't really, I haven't really met any creeps. I have a low tolerance for, uh, I just, I don't, I don't, I have a low tolerance for creeps. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah so like, I, you know, I think that there are people that get trapped in this kind of, they really want to be in a relationship. They're willing to tolerate behavior or, or, or interact with someone who may not actually have their best motivations and they do because they want to be in a relationship. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah, and yeah. I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't need any new people. So if I'm going to take somebody on, I really kind of will really assess as much as I can yeah. who, who they are and what they're looking for. Right. Um, and Send a private investigator after I a- absolutely, yeah. I, I, I dark ship them when they're asleep stone. and I have mm-hmm. all their cars have trackers on right, them. Right. I go through their fecal matter every morning and I, I test, <laughs> I test for drugs. Wow. Uh, and then if I, if I find drugs, I go, why didn't you give me any drugs? So it's, a, it's a very, it's a reliable system. Um, but it's not like I'm better at this than anybody else. I just think that like, Especially when you hear about these really exploitative things where a celebrity, you know, gets together with somebody and then there's a big money thing or something. Yeah. I think it's just typically because people are afraid of being alone. Yeah. You know? Um, and so they don't kind of listen to their own inner, you know, suspicious person. 
Mm-hmm. But I have not. No, I mean, I, I, I lost some people last year. Uh, not, not they didn't die. But I did. Th- I do think that COVID really highlighted who, who was was worth keeping in your life and who might maybe it was just a good time friend. Oh, really? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do feel like that. I do feel like th- there's some people that maybe we all have that we've been carrying and they're fun to be around. But then when things really got challenging, they didn't really show up. Yeah. Um, so I think for a lot of my, I know for me and for some of my close friends that we 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 lost a couple people just because we felt like okay, life is really short and. I want the people that I give my time to to love me as much as I love them. Yeah. Yep. That's a good one. That's a good rule to follow. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm looking at the time here uh, and we've been blabbing. Uh, Have well, you we, even asked me one question, Andy? Well, I mean, but this is, listen, it's all, it's all, it's the concept is bullshit. Uh, I mean, we've talked about in terms of like where you come from, this is where you come from. This is uh, especially the most recent history. And mm-hmm. I know, I know for myself, you know, if I was to talk about like the person I am now, uh, the biggest effect of who I am right at this very day, the biggest impact on that was this divorce. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. all the, whatever I learned as a kid and whatever I learned coming up in my career and everything, all of that's there. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like who I actually am right now compared to a couple of years ago, that's all the divorce. Yeah, it's all the yeah. divorce. It's all being out on my own. It's all figuring out how to be on my own because mm-hmm. I did not know. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I just didn't even have the skills mm-hmm. to really be on my own. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's where I come from in a large extent over the last couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, I, I love that you have that kind of clarity about yourself. I don't like, I know that I didn't, I did not think I was going to get a divorce. I was very confident I was going to be married forever. And so I think, I think the surprise, (laughs) I mean, it's, 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 it's very shocking. It's just shocking when you wake Mm -hmm. up one day and you're a different person. Yeah. Um, and I think that, so I, 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 I found what you said really compelling because I think what happens is then you go on this journey of like a new journey of kind of like self-discovery. Like, wait, who mm-hmm. am I now? Mm-hmm. And what does this mean? Yeah. Um, and if you can get there, I think you've gotten most of the work done because most people just suffer. Right. right. <laughs> and they just wonder what happened. You know what yeah. I mean? And they're pissed and they're sad. And to, to really be in a space of like, oh, this has really changed me. And I'm learning a lot about myself and I intend to keep growing. I mean, you probably done it the, the best way that you possibly could, because the fact of the matter is like, you know, nobody can control what happens in their lives, you know, to a large extent. And you've just got to find a way to be fluid and be kind to yourself. Yeah. And then be kind to the people that you love. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have to get to your liquor. Oh, yes. Let's get to my liquor. Yeah. Uh, I was sent. Speaking these- of drinking myself into a stupor. <laughs> <laughs> this is like now. See, now it becomes like a real talk show where we're going to do a segment about your product. So tell me, um, what, what, do you, what do you have to plug today, Aisha? Wait, let, let, let me grab them. Hold on. They're, they're just off camera here. In Andy's capacious Beach- beachside mansion. <laughs> In Burbank. In Burbank. Um, Burbank Malibu. this is uh courage and stone yeah is the the name of this now how does this come about so this this actually um and these are pre-mixed cocktails yeah so ready to premium pre-mixed ready to ready to drink cocktails you said it yeah Uh, you know it really it really came out of like strangely i think it kind of came out of our jobs like you know you travel for work and you'd have these great meals and you'd have these great drinks and 
then I'd get home like on a Wednesday, you know, after like whatever, 14 hours on set and I'd want a drink and, yeah. uh, and I wouldn't know how to make it. And I'd have like a sad, you know, bottle of like oxidized Sauvignon Blanc in the fridge. And I was like, I want one of those cool <laughs> things I had the other night. And so I started make. I started kind of, I had bartended a little bit, but I started kind of teaching myself how to make classic cocktails yeah. and then just quickly realized that like most people don't have the money or the time or the resources to like build out a proper bar to be able to make a lot of different stuff, right? You need like yeah. bitters, this and vermouth, sure. that, a bunch of garbage. And so I started, and also I was like, I'm pooped. I don't want to make a drink. I want, I want, I just want a drink. Right. Um, and so I started batching cocktails and keeping them in my fridge, like in just a clo like a swing top bottle. So I could like pour out, you know, a Negroni when I got home without making a mess. Yeah. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool if you could buy these? And that's literally how it happened. Yeah. And so then I embarked on a year of very focused, concentrated day drinking. Uh, <laughs> I just like, it was a very, it was a fun year. I just kind of tasted stuff and formulated, came up with my own formulas and then found, um, found an investor and started this company. And when I was first getting into this, which was honestly 2014, the, our, the ready to drink category was really like non-existent, but now you're seeing a lot more people come into Is there more? The space. Yeah. yeah, there are, they're out there. You know, uh, ours is the best, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you know, you, what you see more is like what people think about ready to drink now is like white claws. So, you know, they're like kind of just, it's kind of like a vodka soda in a can. So right. we're at the other, at the upper end, you know, yeah, we'll, yeah. more, a little bit more premium, um, completely natural, no stabilizers or fillers or corn syrup. It's a whole foods compliant. I really wanted to make the kind of drink that would be good enough that you, you, you could, it could be served in a bar. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, it's not, I mean, for me, the. You know, I remember, I mean, I haven't drank a ready-made drink in forever. That's mm -hmm. part of that is because um, I like to make drinks. I know mm -hmm. how to make, like, I know, I know various drinks. And I mean, I, I cook and stuff anyway. So I, mm -hmm. for me, it's fun. And I, mm -hmm. and I, and I like to have weird shit up in my cat, up in yeah, my Yeah, you like to cabin. show off. Yeah, that, yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. Oh, show off. Absolutely. <laughs> no, no, but like. You know, you, like, you want to be, you like, you, you care about it. Yeah. I mean, I, like there's I'll times when I want a real, uh, Trader Vic's Mai Tai. Yeah. And in order to do that, you need orgit syrup, which is yep. an and almond like syrup. And like three different juices. Yes. And, yeah. Like. And, and, and I'm, and I'm willing to do that most of the time, you know, mm -hmm. most of the time, sometimes I'll take limeade and tequila and call it a, a mark or a margarita. <laughs> um, but, but also too, in my, from when I was younger, like canned cocktails look like shit. Yeah. Garbage. They, well, oh, yeah. garbage. And those, those garbage, garbage cocktails still exist, like the yes. Harvey Wallbangers of yes. the world. Yes. So like this end of the of the of the spectrum is relatively new. Uh and I really didn't I really wanted to do something that I thought, okay, this is something you could keep on your bar cart. Yeah. And you could pour it out without any effort, but it wouldn't really necessarily sup like I still have a I mean I still have like, you know, I have a whiskey collection. I probably have like 30 whiskeys. Like I, yeah. I love that stuff. I'm into yeah. it. Yeah. Um but it was really like the solution for when you came home at, you know, 10 o'clock after taping yeah, a show yeah. and you were pooped and you wanted a drink. Um, and, and this is, this is the, to, to, not to keep banging on a, a, a dead and also divorced horse, but I did find that when I, when I separated, I stopped wanting to cook anything. I stopped wanting to do oh, anything. Yeah. Just, just wanted to sit around and mope. Yep. Yeah. And so cooking really like I stopped, I just stopped cooking. I was like, no, nah, it's just, someone will bring something here at some point that is edible. <laughs> <laughs> Whether I ask them to or not. Exactly. Well, right, well here, I'm going to try, I'm going to take a sip of the old fashioned first. A little bit of ice there. No, I, I, I kept it in the fridge. Okay. It's good. Uh, cold. It's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it is, it is foolproof. So uh -huh. it is meant to, it's meant to pour over ice so that 
after 20, 25 minutes, because it's foolproof, it will still have a lot of structure yeah, even right. after ice melt. Because if it was but it's at- delicious. Oh, thank you. It's really good. Mm. And I have a I have poured out the martini or the uh, Manhattan Oh yeah, the Manhattan. Here. Oh, you're such a classy fellow, Andy. I love it. It's a black Manhattan, so it's gonna be a little spicier and chocolatier than well, your that's kind of really conventional good. Manhattan. Thank I like you. the Manhattan a lot. And thank I'm you. I'm more partial to old fashions, but uh You like the I Manhattan? Prefer- I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's really I'm good. I'm so happy. And I'm so happy. And it is nice because it is like, I can, I would, I, I mean, I would drink these. And like I say, I'm not, because when I come home at 10 o'clock at night and I'm too tired to make a cocktail, I will pour booze in a glass and yes, be happy. Yes, yes. You know and you don't I mean? need, like, I don't need, fancy. I don't, yeah, I don't need any, you know, fancy ingredients. Just booze in a glass will mm-hmm. work, you know. Um, I, I really tried to make these for People who love great food, who like entertaining, who maybe don't have the skill set or the wherewithal or the time to make yeah. this up from scratch, but want something that tastes as good as they get in a bar. But yeah. I also, I want it like I, I also wanted to make it for people who are kind of like, like lay drinkers, right? So you yeah. know, I, I will go drink. I will drink two, you know, two fingers of Irish whiskey, right? I mm-hmm. will. But I, I remember I have a friend who like would always see people in movies drinking whiskey. And it was like, oh, you know, they're, they're, they've got it in the glass on the rocks and it's golden and sniftery or whatever they'd up to. Yeah. Then poured themselves two fingers of whiskey and we're like. <laughs> <laughs> so this is also kind of um, like a like an entry into drinking premium whiskey. Yeah. But it's got a little bit of sweetness. It's got the, you know, it's got the character of an old fashioned. Yeah. Um, and it's meant to kind of, uh, you know, be for for the everyman drinker, the every yeah. lady. You know what I did mean? Did you did you do this because you thought like, hey, I could like, is this like, I think this is a way I could make some real money, you know, like some good money, or was it just because it's fun and you know, and you're an you have an entrepreneurial spirit? Because yeah, I don't know if I could. I mean, I would have an idea like that, and I don't know that I'd ever pull the trigger on it, <laughs> just because I'd feel like, what do I know about? <laughs> things i'm i'm naive (laughs) somebody bring me some eggs yeah um which is everybody in hollywood we're like where's where are my eggs i i I ordered eggs like what's my eggs um (laughs) he's laughing because he knows it's true so um no you know what it was it was kind of both but it was more the second i loved cocktails i love cocktail culture i love bars uh i love bartenders like i feel like even more than chefs, and I love great food, but like bartenders are really purveyors of joy, right? Like their job is to like see you, kind of see what you need, talk to you just enough to keep you entertained, but not bother you, leave mm-hmm. you alone if you're mopey, yeah. chat it up with you if you're into sports. Like they're just, they're, they're these kind of like happiness agents. Mm-hmm. And I love spending time in bars. And I love drinking great drinks. And it was just kind of extension of that, like loving that world. But I also remember having a conversation with a friend of mine uh, who like an old friend of mine and being like, you know, the difference between, you know, this like over, I'm sure drinks, you know, the difference between you and me and like Zuckerberg <laughs> or like, <laughs> like, you know, Elon Musk and a guy who invented post-its. We have all these great ideas. We don't do anything about it. That's why those guys are billionaires and we're sitting here drinking at happy hour and spending $4 on a cocktail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the idea is like, um, it's the execution, right? It's the, it's the, if you have a great idea, then yeah. it's the part where you actually execute. And yep. I, that was a while ago. It wasn't when I had this idea. But then when I had this idea, I was like, I feel like this is a pretty good idea. Yeah. I feel like I should see if I can do it. It's uh, it's substantial. It's it's good looking packaging. Thank you. It does not seem like, you know, like cheap shit. No, and <laughs> I, I really I it's worked really... not I worked very hard to make sure it's a small batch distillery that makes all of our spirits. Like I said, that we there is no artificial coloring. There mm-hmm. is no artificial flavoring. Everything is natural. I really wanted to make something that I would be happy with to put my name on. 
Um, so it definitely wasn't like I thought it would be like a get rich quick kind of thing. I thought yeah. if I'm going to do it, I really wanted to do something, be something that I would drink and that I would want other people to drink. Is it doing well? Um, it's, it, you know, we just started, like we, we, ha- oh, we kind of okay. launched during COVID. And so we had some success because people were ordering online. Right. Uh, and that was great. And I think that was the great thing about last year. People were home. Yeah. And so we did, we had a big jump in sales because you could order cocktails directly to your house and you could kind of replace your bar experience at home. And we did a bunch of fundraising last year. I did a, a, a lot of uh, Instagram lives to raise money around COVID relief. Mm-hmm. So that was a big component of the year and it's done well. And now we're just starting to kind of get into stores. Yeah. So we're, we are available in LA um, at Bristol Farms and at KNL and a lot of other places, but you can go to courageandstone.com and have it sent directly to your, to your sweaty, grasping fingers. Uh, and then yeah. you don't have your to go DT to the store. Fingers. Your DT fingers. Your shaky uh. pink, pink elephant. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a real journey for me because you know, the other stuff I learned, honestly, and I, I like this part just as much is like, I am an entrepreneur now, right? Like I started a business and, um, a lot of it was really opaque to me in the beginning. I'm learning. I mean, I'm learning about like all the aspects, all the operational aspects of running a business that I just, I knew nothing about before. And I think it, I hope it's making me better at my, at my other jobs too, because you know, we're also business people. I mean, we're entertainers, but mm-hmm. we run a little bit, you know, we run a business that is us. Right. And I think a lot of times, especially when you first start out, you're kind of relying on a lot of other people to take care of you in this business, you know, managers oh, yeah. and agents and all these other people. And there, and again, this stuff is opaque to you. And then one day you wake up, you're like, wait a minute, what did I agree to? Yeah. So um, being better at business, I think has been a nice side effect. And, I, and I'm, I'm happy because there are very few women in the spirit space, very few women of color, people of color generally. And I'm really hoping to be an example for other people that want to get into this space to be emboldened to do so and to diversify the spirit space, which is just meant to, you know, just kind of like old whiskey white guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about that. Just kind of giving other people, hopefully like a little bit of impetus to, to maybe chase their own, their own good ideas. Well, good luck with it. It's really, well, it's, you, it's a, it's a cool idea and, uh, and it's a good product, you know, it's, mm. uh, it Which is I, delicious. Yes. <laughs> that was my, I mean, like, I know it's my company, everybody, and you're rolling your eyes out there, but I only cared if it tasted good. I was like, the yeah, best thing. Yeah. But I, if it's not yummy, if I don't want to drink it, then I can't, it can't, I can't put my name on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I what's have next for you? For you oh, wait, go ahead. Go ahead. Ask you. me the question. And then you can ask me my what's next. Okay. So my question for you is, and I think we share this experience as well, even though I wasn't on, um, for example, the talk as long as you were working with right. Conan. But I I wonder if your feeling when the show was over was similar to your feeling when you got a divorce, which is that this kind of unbridled freedom is both exciting and disorienting. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh absolutely. And I mean, and it it was so weird and it kind of snuck up on us and and also too, like I um I had grown used to the, our schedule was not very tough, you know, right. like even, even when we were on the air as an hour is tough, you know, it wasn't very hard, you know, like mm-hmm. I think the most sort of like, and we only had 40 work weeks because mm-hmm. TBS always shows movies on Friday night. And that was that way from the beginning. So a four day work week is not bad. You know, Fridays I'd go in and, but it was very kind of optional for me at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we'd have, you know, time off and I got used to 
being a guy in LA that works in show business who just isn't working for a couple of weeks. Yeah. So I, I kind of adjusted that both before when I was married and then, and now. So I kind of think I have, I have some experience at being sort of underemployed and I did, <laughs> and I did prior to going back to work for Conan, I had, you know, there was, you know, there months would go by when I wasn't really having much to do. Um, so this is kind it kind of crept up on me. It kind of crept up on me because such weird circumstances for it to end, you know, like, which I actually found a blessing because the show was probably going to go off the air no matter what. Like just, mm-hmm. it was not with TBS. It just wasn't, it was hard as a platform yeah, kind of far away for a lot was, of people. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, and the show the show does a lot better online than it does on TV, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's been that way for a while. Um, so we were probably going to be ending on TBS anyway. And mm-hmm. it's so much nicer that we ended on TBS when we had to be out of that studio rather than just have it peter out right. in that studio. And then we go, okay, thanks everyone. Bye. And then, mm-hmm. you know, a bulldozer comes in and pushes everything down. <laughs> um, so I still don't know if I fully wrapped my head around the notion, you know, Mm -hmm. I I definitely have, I have moments of like, oh yeah, every day, every day that goes by was a day that I used to be making money. And now, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, like nowadays, like this day, I mean, I'm doing this and that makes me a little bit, but it's not like I had 10 years of every day I was getting paid something, you know, if you want to amortize it over the, over seven days a week or whatever, but it, that's just weird and and chilling at times mm-hmm. and and but and also like there but there is the fear of like is anyone ever going to love me again oh they, you of know, course but, they but, will. but no but i know but i know, I know but, exactly what you, you know mean, what i mean in, in, in precisely I, that way yeah with precisely yeah. that kind of urgency that every day yes. or every week yes. it's a different thing I, I i know exactly what you mean because by love i mean higher you know, you know, give me money, but that I mean, give me money. Yes. Yeah. Trust <laughs> me. Trust me to be in something that a lot of money has been poured into that's expected to get a lot of money back out. Right. And right. they're going to they're they're hiring me because they think the money's going to not because they think I'm you know, I mean, that's the bottom line. Like they think I'm funny and they like me and everything and they like my body of work. But the main thing is you got to make money back for them. That's yeah. why they're hiring you. They're not hiring right. you because they think you're cute. They're hiring you because. This somebody spent money on this guy before to for money to come back out of the machine. Uh, so w- we're OK spending money on this guy because he has a track record of making money come back out. Not a ton of money. I mean, I haven't really been like. One of those people that. You know, I don't have walk away money, you know, I mean, I, I still mm-hmm. have to mm-hmm. work for a living, um, <laughs> but but I you know, but it's. uh I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I just, yeah. I just, no, I, you know, it is, I don't know, you know, you, you end up feeling like, is this it? Am I, you know, and especially with COVID, Jesus Christ, I felt yeah. like I retired. So it yeah. kind of feels like, is this it now? Like, do I just kind of put around a house with a dog and, and Burbank and, you know, okay, <laughs> get on Zoom calls every now and then? Um, well, but you yeah, know, I mean, was the, it, was the talk like that? Did you feel 
Because that was a, a willing exit. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah. It was a willing exit. And I'd been considering it for a while. I had directed a movie and I wanted to go out and try to direct another movie. I wanted to become a, a if not a full-time director, like primarily a director. And I knew that it was going to be very hard for me to say to somebody, hey, give me millions of dollars to direct a movie. I have a day job that works four, four days a week, 50 weeks a year. Same like that thing. was just, yeah. I couldn't, I'm not going to be able to sell anything to anybody or they were like, all yeah. right, lady. And so I knew it was one or the other. And so while it was kind of, it was like a tearful exit. It was definitely like an exit that I wanted for myself. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I do remember being like, oh, the stability, the income, the, you know, the, the, the urgency, the relevancy of being on TV every day. Like, is mm -hmm. that a loss? And, but I also remember just feeling like kind of anything is possible, yeah. right? I wasn't limited by being on this one show and then this one being seen this one way anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and then it's taken a while. You know what I mean? Like, um, I'm getting ready to direct my second feature now. It's, I mean, I, I think, I feel like I left the talk like four or five years ago. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but it was a while ago. Mm -hmm. But, um, but also. What year was it? 2018? Was that mm, it? 2017? 2017 is what I okay. want to guess. Um, but what I also will say is that I started directing TV and I've like been direct. I mean, I've been directing almost like full time doing that. And that was oh, really great. what I wanted. So like, I, 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 always think about like that parable about the dog. Like, you know, you have somebody who has to drop a bone to get another bone. Right. And like, right. You're, you're terrified to drop the first bone, but like, there's no way to get the second bone without dropping the first. Bone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, I remember feeling like, what's going to happen. And then I just consciously kept saying to my house, self, just say it a different way. Just like, oh, what's going to happen. Yeah. Which is a feeling I hadn't had for such a long time, because like you said, your, your days and your jobs are so prescribed. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is scary, but the one thing I think that you have, we, we, you, you're just not only you're like incredible intellect and how funny you are, but one thing you have going for you is one thing that we have going for us now that maybe didn't exist like the first time Conan went off the air or like, you know, out like in all of the other long interregnums of my career where I was doing fuck all. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the ability to create for yourself in, yeah. a, in a way that's even more, more tangible and more substantial now because of all the streaming services and all the digital options, you know, like, yeah. You know, you know, you've created a lot of stuff, but it's 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 more competitive. But there's more room now mm -hmm. um, to do more things. Yeah, I I agree. I just don't I don't take advantage of that enough. I don't mm -hmm. do enough on my own. I mean, I you know, my whole life I've been sort of like I should be writing a screenplay on the side, <laughs> and and I and I did just like you know, I I got into improv. It wasn't an accident. It's because. You know, I didn't want to write stand up. I didn't want homework. I wanted to get <laughs> I wanted to show up and do some funny stuff with some funny people and then go home. Absolutely. And and there's like that makes that's great. And that makes great sense when you're Conan O'Brien's sidekick. But now that I'm not, it's like and I I mean, and I am I have there's irons and fires and I'm oh, there's, I mean, you I'm developing I'm developing yeah. things. But, you know, Sometimes but also, you also too, need to wait. You need to wait until you get excited yeah, about shit. Yeah. Like that, it's not like you can just wake up in the morning with a great idea. Like, you know, the muse has to visit. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah, absolutely. And also, too, like when you say it also, you, I you know, when I actually when people ask me, like I just actually was back in Illinois this last weekend for a family thing and people you know, cousins, like, what? so what now? And then I'm like, well, there's this, and then there's this, and then there's, you know, like just different, like I say, irons I have in fires. Mm -hmm. And when I say it, I go like, oh, gosh, Got I, have, I have a lot, I have like four or five potential revenue streams here. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. when I, but because I know show business, they're all so contingent on somebody, you know, 
some fucker that's been in Maui for three months coming back and going like, yes. All right, okay, here you go. Here's fine. two episodes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it's I wish I wish I had more. I, I mean, I wish I was starting a booze business. That's what I wish. I mean, that would be pretty sweet. It would be it would be lovely. And it, yeah. it does. It does take all of the time that I'm that I'm not writing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because I'm drinking whiskey. But because you're enjoying um, the product. Yeah. 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 Well, where um, are you going now? What's what's next for you? Do you have any um, kind of plan or, you know, question. I mean, directing is that's fantastic. I, I, mean, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I'm it's really, fun. I'm really it's, excited. I've done some uh, commercial. I, I direct commercials, which is again, one of the revenue streams that I'm not going to have more time to do because when I was on the Conan show, it was yet another thing that I couldn't say, well, you can have me mornings for four days. And then, you, you know, if you put it right before work thing, you can have me <laughs> for six days in a row. You know, uh, now I can like, uh, plan that out a little bit better, but <laughs> I love, I love directing. It's like, uh, it's like a beat the clock kind of. Oh, game, you I know? love it. It's like yeah. problem, like just like aggressive problem, problem solving. solving. Yeah, like 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 a real life version of the cube. You're like, yeah. how do I how do I get over there from over here without yeah, yeah. breaking this or falling on that? Right, but yeah, right. I, I love it. And I I kind of was aiming for it for a long time. Didn't know if it was going to work. Didn't know if I was going to be good at it. Didn't know if I was going to like it. And then just you know was able to slowly work my way into doing more of it. And it's I, I love it. And it's been going really well. So uh, I've just been directing a lot of television, and um, I'm getting ready to direct a feature in a few weeks. Um, and then I'm like, my dance card is kind of like already loading up for next year. So I'm, I'm really happy oh, wow. about that. And I love it because I, first of all, because I don't have to go through hair and makeup. Uh, and I'm, I'm really, a, to not I'm have the, to care yes. how you look. Oh Oof, boy. I love it. Oh, it's yeah. delicious. I, yeah. I, I never need to go through hair and makeup again. Uh, and then, um, and then I love it. Not just for the reason that you said the problem solving thing, which I find delicious. Like I'm always like, everyone's like, we don't have time. Like, oh, we're gonna get it done. We're totally right, gonna get it right, done. Right. I can't wait. Like I love it. But also, the thing that I like about it is that when you're an actor, and I, I mean, I do enjoy acting. You really are only responsible for caring for yourself. Like you know, kind of what you're gonna do, your decisions, your interactions, your inner space, maybe the other person in the scene. But when you're a director, you get to take care of everybody. Yeah, you get to encourage everybody, and you get to like coach everyone, and you get to hopefully empower them all to do great work. And, you know, you get to be like, pew, 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 let's do it. And I, that's, I mean, I'm, that's my default state is pew, pew, pew. So um, <laughs> I, I am, do you remember the cartoons? Well, you're, you're old like me. Do you remember the cartoon Spike and Tyke? Uh, and that was the big bulldog and he had a little puppy friend and the puppy was oh, like, yeah. Hey Spike, what are we going to do today? Hey, what's yeah, going? Yeah, I'm yeah. totally tyke when I'm on set. Like yeah, I just yeah. look so stoked to be there. Yeah. Um, I'm like rocking up to people like, have you had a breakfast burrito? Dude, this is fun. <laughs> Go get a fucking breakfast burrito. Like I'm They're free. Totally, they're that, that guy's just fucking making them when you ask him. So, <laughs> I love it. Um, and I'm, I mean, you know, like not to put, not to sound too Pollyannish, but it's, remarkable when a dream comes true because I, yeah. I wanted yeah. to be a director and I worked very hard to get people to take me seriously. Right. Right. And it's nice that it's finally starting to, you know, pick up some momentum. So I'm does stoked that, about that. Does that squeeze out like the other part of your life, you know, like a social life, does it squeeze it out? And yes, is it that, does. and are you just okay with that for now? Do you think you'll be okay with that forever? You know, I'm okay with it for now because I feel like it's not permanent. You know, I yeah. think TV specifically is pretty all-consuming if you go back to back. But actually, like, I'm literally about to go do this film, and I'm like, I, 
I, I feel like I have to call my friends. I'm like, I'm, you're not going to see me again until like next year. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like, I know it sucks that I'm going away and I, I'm bailing on you. But like, if I come see you, I'm not going to turn in my homework for my movie. Yes. <laughs> Which yes. like, there is nobody I can turn to be like, it's that guy's fault. Like, it's, yeah. um, it's all my fault. It's all on you. Um, yeah. It's all on me. So, um, so yes, I, d- I do see that. And like, for, for example, I left LA last November and didn't really come back until like the end of May. Oh, wow. Yeah, like I was home for like a week at Christmas time. Yeah. Um. So it has been really all consuming, but I, I really. Where do were you that it. you could be like COVID safe and everything? Uh, shows shows went back up last summer, and oh, okay. yeah, and and there are like really specific COVID protocols on set. You know, everybody's masked. Everybody's oh, so proximity. you were just working. I was but just out directing. Of town. I was just oh, directing, I see. I see. Town. Yeah. 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 Um. Wow. And yeah, and so you know, it's like everybody's six feet. There's no more video village. You're kind of standing away from everybody. Yeah. You're kind of on your own. And then, um, and then I got vaccinated, and so I felt a little bit more weapons free. Although they're obviously the breakthroughs are kind of problematic right now, but but yeah. the, but the the rigor on set is very high. You yeah. know, there are people monitoring you. They will come over when you're talking too close to somebody and be like, "Get away from that person." I, I've experienced it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've done a few, you know I've, a few outside gigs and a few guest spots, and you know, one of them was being. One of them was being uh, one of the producers was a guy that directed all the episodes of one of my shows. Oh, amazing. and I was I was chatting with him and somebody somebody I hadn't even seen all day came up and said, uh, you can't be over here talking to these. This people. is my friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, gosh. OK. Right. Yeah. Disease. I have, I have been very much like. Uh, like a COVID police, unless it's, it refers to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, right. put on your mask. Hey, don't tell me what to do, buddy. Like, you know, <laughs> and it's what you realize is how how people will gravitate towards each other no matter what. Yeah. Like how you will just naturally start to inch towards anybody you are talking yep. to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's just human nature, really. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm just, I'm directing and, um, and yeah. And then, you know, I'm kind of in the space you are. Like I have a bunch of irons in the fire and I'm kind of hopeful. Yeah. For, for what will happen next and to take it full circle back to what we started talking about, grateful that, you know, last year wasn't as devastating as it could have been, yeah. but very aware of the fact that it really was very, very painful for a lot of people and hopeful that the economy comes roaring back in a way that makes people whole, yeah. you know what I mean? As, as yeah, whole yeah. as, as whole as they can be made, you know what I yeah. mean? What, um, what do you want people to take away from just like you? Like, what do you feel like is kind of the moral of the Aisha Tyler story? Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, see, uh, shit. See, this is the part where I had some, your, I had somebody your, your bullshit that premise me. just nails me to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think two things. I, I always used to write in my books when I, my last book, when I would autograph it to, I would just say, be brave. That was the yeah. thing I would tell everybody be brave. Cause I feel like um, the moral of my own story has been like, it really doesn't matter what the outcome is. It just matters if you tried. Yeah. Uh, Cause what you don't want to do is, is lie down one day and be like, shit, I wish I'd gone for whatever it was that I was meditating on. Yeah. So I just think, you know, be, be as brave as you can be. Don't fear failure. Failure is your friends. The, the real problem is that you, that you never went for the things that you care about or the things that you dream about. And then also be nice to people. Don't be a dick. Yeah. Those are my two mottos. Be brave and don't be a dick. Yeah, yeah. Those are good. Yeah. Good and simple. Very, very basic. Yeah. Fit, fit on <laughs> very, T-shirts. Very, very basic, yes. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> um, yeah, I wrote a whole book about failure and about how successful people have a high tolerance of failure and that's why they're successful, right? Because if you, if failure just crushes you, I mean, you're going to fucking bug off and do something else. Yep. Right. But if you yep. can fail and be like, okay, that didn't go my way. Let me try that again. Right. Right. That's, that's really the path for success. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's one of the weird things about like the thing that you and I do, which is, uh, seemingly very insecure people that can't take rejection, get into a business. That's almost 95% Build. rejection. Like, you know what I mean? Like I do not like rejection. I do not, you know, I avoid it. I probably, you know, like, you know, like in my life, there's been times when I have not participated, you know, because I was afraid of the rejection of like not being good at something or, you know, or, or not getting something that I, and, and that, but then it's like, well, yeah, but I'm in this fucking, I also feel like it's also weird too. I feel like I'm kind of shy in a way, you know, like I don't want to go and talk to you know, like go to a party and have a group of people around me laughing and slapping their knees at all my witticisms, you know, and, but yet I, I, I do, <laughs> but yet here I am, you know, like in a job where everybody looks at me and, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I don't, it's, it is weird. It's weird, you know, to the sort of it's, dichotomies of doing this weird thing. We have you know? the very strangest job. Yeah. We really do. But yeah. thank God for it. Oh, no kidding. It's right. I, I Yeah. I mean, I'll bitch about it, but I got, I truly, on a, some level, I have no beefs about it. Oh, you're a showbiz guy, old showbiz oh, perfect it's guy. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> it is. It's fun. That's the main thing is it's it like, because that's one of my things is like, if you're not, you know, I had a, I had a, a, a relative, my aunt passed away recently. And one mm. of the things that I, and I kind of, I wasn't expecting, there was a little service for it and I wasn't expecting to be eulogized, but my mom went, Come here, say something about her. And I was like, oh, okay. But one of the things that I said was that she insisted on having fun, like mm -hmm. all the time. Like, it wasn't like we might have some fun today. It was like, she woke up and like, all right, what fun are we going to have? And oh, that's that awesome. was, it's such an inspiration. And it's such a, like, it's such a shortcut to live in a better life, it you know, is. to like being happier and, and just. It, that is a life hack right there. Yeah. Like, I am yeah. going to make sure that every single do thing I do is going to have some element of fun. Yeah. And I'm going to try to be as joyful as I can. And I know that's easier said than done, but like right. literally just get up every morning and be like, let's rage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even if you got a shitty job, you know, dad, crack some jokes with the person that's got the shitty job with you next to you, you know, just try and have some that's fun. Beautiful. Come on, people have some fun. Come on, guys. Lighten up. Well, Aisha, thank you so much for spending <laughs> all this time joy. with me. It was fun. And thanks for the booze. My pleasure. Uh, I might wait till, because it's now 1.44 p.m. I wait, might wait till later to polish them off, you know. Listen, you will get absolutely no judgment from me. I, <laughs> you, asked me you asked me what, my, what my, uh, my advice was. Other than be kind and be brave, I will say I am a big fan of a day drink. Uh, and it's, it's, it's not the intoxication so much as the, as the feeling of power of like, I'm a grown up right. and I can do what I, I want. Yeah. Yes. And so I, I much prefer the, the, the daylight drinking to the nighttime drinking. So whatever happens when, when our little boxes winkle out on this zoom, you, you do you. You'll All get right. no judgments from me. <laughs> I will. And everybody awesome. out there, you do, you guys do you too. And do it right now. Uh, go out Yay. on your front porch and do you. Don't do, don't, but, but, but not in the, in, with an eye shot of the neighbors. Yeah, whatever. Yes. Maybe in the backyard. Do yeah. you. Oh, and go visit Courage and Stone at CourageandStone.com if you would like to have some booze sent to your house so that you can do you uh, as well. And, and it's delicious stuff. Yay. So I, I endorse it.
Uh, all right, and thank you for listening. Uh, we will be back next week uh, with someone else who will be answering these three nonsense questions. Bye. Got a big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my loves are growing? This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.